Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All right. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you. Ah, man. Okay. Worship was awesome. I was pretty undone. And uh, I heard the Lord say, if you want to be like me, you have to love like me. And then I heard the Lord say, if you love like me, you'll be like me. We could just stop there. Because the truth is, is if we could really learn how to love, we'd have no fear. But fear is so subtle and it's so uh, deeply rooted in areas you don't even realize it's there. And it affects so many of your actions. Fear is rampant. I have to deal with it in my own heart. It's the what ifs if things don't go the way I think they should go. And we live in worry and doubt and unbelief, and sometimes we wrap it around our nice Christianese. We call it faith, but, but truly deep down inside we're worried. And when you become like Christ, you actually don't have anything to worry about. End of story. I don't know what your situation is, but the truth is, is we serve a really great big God who's good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. 36 times. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. The problem is, is we don't really know what perfect love looks like. And we have all these fears. And you ever go to the hospital for a surgery or a big procedure, ever? You know that feeling you get in your gut when you pull up to the hospital at 5.30 in the morning? And it's like, man, they're about to cut me open or they're about to do something that they're gonna knock me out and I'm not even gonna be awake for what they're gonna do. And you get this nauseous feeling deep down inside of you or this slight anxiety of worry about what's about to happen. And you ever, and you ever, ever feel that way? I face the worst of the worst kinds of situations. From a child or a teenager dying or near death pulling up to the hospital. And you're the pastor. And you're going to be with the parents in the ICU. And you pull up to that hospital and deep down inside, man, there's that moment of what's about to happen yeah. and all the questions and all the, the whole world cascades in upon you. Some of you have been there with your own children or your own family members or facing an, a, a prognosis from a doctor and all the, the lies and all the doubts and all the uncertainties come crashing in upon you. And yet you know that you're a Christian and then the devil comes and puts the pressure on you. And then now you carry that weight of the pressure of what you should be. And that maybe you're not. And what if you're not? <coughs> this, is the, this is such deceptive lies that causes us to be something that we're not. 
It causes us to believe something that we're not. It causes us to give in to a lie that's not true. And in turn, we feed it, and it produces such anxiety inside of our minds. And it's everything opposite of perfect love. It's everything opposite of perfect love. And I feel that here today in so many of you. When I pulled up this morning, I felt so good until I parked my car right in front and this wave of nauseousness came over me and I felt like I was about to step into a hospital. As rubber meets the road time, this is reality. It's God's reality. And just like that, but even better, we about, we're about to stand in front of a healer, a great physician. Yes. Yes. That does need to do surgery. Lord, cut me open. Because yeah. I got all kinds of stuff inside here that I don't want. And it's so deep and it's so rooted and it's causing me to preserve myself and protect myself. And it's causing me to feel anxious and worried and it's producing, it's making me feel nauseous. Some of you know this feeling so incredibly well. And so many of you, so many times when you pull up into this parking lot, feel that. And a lot of other people do too. Because when you know you're about to stand in front of your maker and you're not physically dead, and you know you're about to encounter Jesus, and you know he's about to do surgery on you, all kinds of feelings can come in. But the worst feeling that comes in, that's a lie, is that you're unworthy, you're not good enough, nobody is gonna believe in you, care for you, love you. He's not for you, he's against you. What will other people think if they see you? You know, it's, I hate hospital gowns. How about y'all? First off, I have to put it on backwards. I can't even tie it behind my back. Somebody has to tie it for me while I'm naked. It's, it's like degrading. And you can be worried, but if you trust the doctor and you know that that doctor has your best interest and you know you need to have that procedure done, because God uses doctors, I want to make sure you understand. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So I, I'm in no way anti-physician, but I'm a firm believer in first coming to the great physician. So we don't, we don't discount or remove doctors. We have a lot that go here. But there's something about always going to the Lord first. And there's something about having wisdom about your situation that brings supernatural peace in whatever you face. So that you have supernatural peace when they say, take off your clothes, put on the gown. And I'm like, I need somebody to, you don't even care. Because when it comes to getting your healing, some of us will do whatever it takes to get it. Yes. And that's what's happening here. And the mindset is whatever it takes whatever it takes. So I walked in and, and I just had to come straight in. I couldn't really talk to people. I just had to sit down and I just had to sit here. Not worry about what anybody thinks about the fact that I'm just sitting here and not worried about it. And I'm just, instead of succumbing to the fear of the, of the nause, uh, nauseousness or the weight of what's going on in my life this week, this month, in every area of my life or in your life, and then all the lies that come around you of what other people will think and say and all the worries about your image and 
none of that matters. And instead of giving into the fear of it, I chose to sit here and engage with the Lord. And I had to just get my eye on him. Because if I get my eye off him, I'm going to die. I, at least I feel like I'm going to die. And then I'm going to start losing my breath. And then panic sets in. Some of you really understand this. And so I had to sit here and just, just say, okay, Lord, I just, I just got to get my eye on you. I can't do this without you. I can't preach the service. We can't do this, have church, we, nothing without him. And so then worship started. And so I stood up. Now, this is my own thing, so don't take it personal if you're not a dancer. But the Lord's like, are you going to dance? I'm like, no, I don't feel good. And then he's like, a few minutes later, are you going to dance? Because I can't speak for you, and I'm not trying to pressure you to dance. I, all I care about is that you worship. But for me, I learned a long time ago. I've told you this so many times. If I could go to clubs and bars and drink shots of tequila and get on tables and dance, I can come into this house even when I don't feel good and give God all my best and all my praise, and so can you. And some of you are like questioning all the people up here that are dancing, and why is this church like that, and why are they dancing like that? And Because the truth is, is I'm inspired when I see these teenagers and young adults and even people older than me pressing in and crying out and dancing because at some point you don't care what it takes. And at some point when all the lies are telling you, get back, the teacher's busy. Yeah. Like the woman with the issue of blood, you will push them away and stop listening to the voices and press in. Yeah. Or when the blind man cried out, son of David, have mercy. And they said, stop, stop your crying out. You're being too loud. Why are you crying out like that? That's right. Well, yeah, we don't want that to happen, but really it's a picture of taking off your covering. It's a picture of taking off what's hiding you or what you're hiding behind. Because at some point it doesn't matter. When it comes to healing, when it comes to healing, the devil does not want you healed and he will do all he can to lie to you to keep you shrunk back so that you won't take the step of faith like Holly did last week who was like, man, I don't know if I trust them. I've only been here a few months. I'm gonna, I don't really know how I feel about people laying hands on me, any of that stuff. And then she comes up and God rocks her world with a word of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And then she testifies on Wednesday night and so many people go, well, that was me. But I'm saying to you, listen, at some point you don't care what other people think or say and you're gonna have to lay down your intellect. Yeah and your logic and reason and say, God, I desperately need you no matter what other people think and say. And we're going to talk about that today when it comes to a, a man with leprosy. And if you don't understand leprosy in the Old Testament and in Jesus's day, different today. Today, it's called Hansen's disease. We don't know a lot of people, maybe anybody that has it, but it's still around, especially in other nations. And this disease is a central nervous system disease that affects your body in so many ways, your skin, your eyes, your upper respiratory tract. And then it, it, it becomes external for everybody to see. And it's contagious. By skin to skin, it's not as contagious now as, it, as they thought it was, but there was no cure for this right. back then. 
And from a biblical standpoint, if you had leprosy, you were cursed by God as a sinner and shunned by the people. And the thing is, is we may not see people with physical leprosy, but we're seeing people with spiritual leprosy. And then we're always questioning, what did you do wrong? What's the matter with you? What's going on with your sin? Maybe God's cursing you. God did this to you. Or maybe we see that in others. Maybe we don't, but we for sure can see it in ourselves. And then we subtly say, well, you're so jacked up God's gonna get you and he's gonna teach you through sickness and pain and hardship. And the truth is the sin in and of itself is what kills us. While the while God's standing there with open arms saying, I love you and I can touch you and heal you when no one else will come around you. It's all around. I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Then we believe the lies. And yes, the truth is, is that sin can lead for sure to sickness in your body. There's no doubt. You don't break God's laws, they break you. God puts standards in place. If you treat yourself terribly and you defile your body consistently, there are consequences for it. That's why you have to take care of yourself. You only have one you. And I don't want to prematurely do any funerals here. You just got you. I'm 50 years old. I got little kids and more on the way in this church, and I realize that I have one me, physically. I'm gonna take care of myself. And no matter what happens, and no matter what I face, and no matter what the doctors say, I'm standing firm in God's promise, and I'm not gonna believe the lies of what anybody else tries to put on me. I get it. I started smoking cigarettes, camel unfiltered cigarettes, when I was 16 years old. Hot boxing cigarettes then getting high for five straight years, night and day, bongs and just inhaling and holding it as long as I could to get as high as I could. And then in comes the asthma. And then God resurrects me. And he says, now believe me for healing and trust me. And I do believe God for healing. And I do believe God can rest- has restored me from the cross. But I also understand that I can make choices and decisions that affect my body. But whether I do or whether I don't, God always loves you and can, and can heal you. There's not a formula for it. Because the, the dysfunctional lie is you're so bad, God's cursing you and doing this to you and can't heal you. There's not a formula to this except Jesus. Healing can happen in all kinds of ways. The first thing you need to know is that God loves you. Stop giving into the lies that I'm so bad and so broken and so screwed up that God can't do it. And stop giving into the lies that there's a formula for it. Because as soon as you think it's one way, God does it another way. The most important thing is that you believe. And all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And that mustard seed may seem to be buried in the soil of doubt. But God can resurrect a seed so tiny, and make it one of the biggest of trees. All you need is some water, some nourishment, and some sunlight, and some faith, and God can resurrect that seed and move mountains. He can give you the ability. In fact, he's given you the ability, if you're born again, to look at that mountain. What's your mountain today? Come on. Is it mental confusion, mental health, anxiety, fear, demonic lies, nightmares, broken relationships, 
Victim mentality, shame, hurt, pain, physical, whatever your mountain is, name your mountain. Name your mountain and then speak to it. And stand firm and keep speaking. And trust God in the midst of it. Cry out day and night. Jesus told us in the parable of the unjust judge, how much more will God hear his elect who cry out to him, not once every five years or once a week on a Sunday morning? Day and night. Because you have an accuser day and night. And he hits you at the most opportune times for him. In fact, it's said... The Bible says that when Satan left Jesus after the temptation, he said, I'll paraphrase it for you. I'll be back. (laughs) Until a more opportune time. Some of those opportune times were him weeping in the garden. Temptations, lies, people trying to kill him, hating him with seething hatred and the temptation to fight them back the way they were hating him. It's an absence of perfect love when you do that. You never have to fight back the way somebody else fights. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. And when you fight back your way, you put yourself in the position of lordship. And some of you are angry and bitter and mad and manifesting at all kinds of things in your life and it's robbing you. You're being robbed. You're, it's a spiritual stick up. Seriously, you are being robbed. And the faster you can realize I'm being robbed and God's got life, eternal life now, eternity now, the sooner that you can realize that, you lift your head up and you go, there's breath in my lungs. I can breathe now instead of that oppressive spirit that robs the breath out of you. Healing happens in all kinds of ways, mental and emotional, spiritual and physical, but there's only one person that does the healing. It's Jesus. And if somebody has the gift of healing, it's God working greater works. I set this whole series up last week so you can go back and listen to the purpose and the premise of the series of greater works and why God would use you for greater works. Now we're just gonna dive into the greater works. When God chooses to work through his people and we choose to work together with him, everyone sees a unique side of God that demonstrates his incredible love towards us. You know why? Because now you are a physical representation of Christ right in front of them. You've heard the saying that you may be the only Jesus that people see. Now, the truth is, is God's everywhere and you should be able to see him everywhere. In children, in creation, the stars, the universe, the invisible attributes of God are seen by the visible things that you can see. God's everywhere, but now we become his body, his hands and his feet. So when God chooses to use you, or when his power comes through you into somebody else, the reality of Christ becomes real to them because God used you to love the way that he loves. The fact that God, the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth would put himself in broken, weak people to demonstrate his power is a profound truth. It boggles my mind that the God that created the universe, every scientific fact you can think of, All of creation, all the wonders of creation and the universe and the world lives in me. It's incredible to think about. It's incredible to think about that God would choose to use little old you. 
And the minute that you start to put yourself in the position of worthy, not worthy, you're never gonna be worthy. We are broken, weak people with hearts that are deceitfully wicked. Now, through Christ and leaning on Christ, I become everything he wants me to be. I look like him, act like him, and I love like him. And it's only love that can make you become like him. And it's because of love that I choose to not do the things that used to kill me or will kill me. Do you understand? It's because of love. None of us are deserving. You're never good enough. You're not worthy. And yet God in his perfect love answers all of our prayers when we genuinely cry out to him to be rescued and healed. And his answer always starts by him putting his spirit inside of us. For without a spirit, we would never learn to become like him in how we live, act, love, see, and care for others. So what God does is he saves you in, his, in your spirit and then he puts his spirit in your soul. He puts his spirit inside your soul. He saves you in your spirit to spirit, spirits in you. And now he begins to work inside your soul realm, your mind, your uh, will, and your emotions. So all the crazy thinking, all the worries, all the fears, all the subtleties, all the lack of perfect love, all that stuff is an ongoing process of revelation by the Holy Spirit. See, light doesn't create, light reveals. Come on, come on. You just gotta get in the light. If I could just get people to get in the light and stop living in the darkness. God's word creates, but light, and his word is light, but you have to understand light brings revelation. And your light and illumination, when you get lit up, this is a profound truth. When you get lit up, John 1, 4, in him is life, And that life is the light of men. So when you're in the light, you know all those friends you have that are living in darkness? When they get around you, your light illuminates their darkness. And now they can see. They now have, it's like, man, wait a minute. Whoa, I can see now. Because they're in your presence, but really it's because you're in his presence. It's because of his spirit in us and the desire to reveal himself through us that we have incredible authority to heal the sick. You have incredible authority. Many of you don't know it. The devil wants you to be a passive weak Christian. He just wants you to be an audience, not an army. You can be on the team, but just sit on the bench. Oh, suit up. Oh yeah, suit up. Here's your number. Oh, your name's on your jersey. But what good is it if you never get to play, ever, ever? Because that's what he wants you to do. And then he wants to use all the reasons why you're not good enough to play. And God says, you're only good enough because I'm inside of you. You were never good to begin with. Only the father's good. But when the father gets inside of you, you can do the things you never thought that you could do or that you're never worthy enough. In fact, you're never qualified. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the unqualified, and then he qualifies you. How? By his blood, by his cross. This is the gospel. He justifies you. We have incredible authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead to life again. And it's only because of him in us and our complete surrender to his will that we can be used in a mighty way by him. It's just I now. My life's not my own. Lord, use me how you want to use me, whatever it takes. 
That should be your motto, whatever it takes. That was Jesus's point when he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, whatever it takes. Your eye, whatever it takes. Cut it, pluck it, whatever it takes. And you gotta get this motto down. Uh, let's say it together. Others may, Others may but I may not. You're trying to be like the world and you try to fit in. How come they can do it? But God's telling me something different. That's the whole premise of Psalm 73. Look at the world. They don't have the pains and the struggles and the challenges and look at all their money and all their wealth. All the while I'm convicted and having to deal with suffering before the Lord as he's dealing with me. Oh man, I'm wasting my time. I wanna be like them. I've come to the Lord in vain, Psalm 73. It was a lie. But God puts that in there to show the reality of the struggles of humanity and the desperate need we all have for him equally. The faster you get to the spot of, I don't need anything from anybody but comfort, love, life, and true friendship of people that will pull me up higher. I need friends like the paralytic had that did whatever it took to lower him through the roof. We're going to do that next week. We're going to do that today. We're going to do that next week. I need people that will do whatever it takes. And those that aren't like that, cut them out. It doesn't mean that you don't want to witness to them, but you can't, have, you can't be yoked with darkness. Come on. The question comes down to who influences who. And second of all, you were never to do it alone. Right. So when you start hanging out with your lost friends alone that you used to party with by yourself, you're already compromising. Yeah. Come on. God always calls you to do it two by two. And the person next to you should be able to pull you up and comfort you and protect you and be a strength to you. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have lost friends and we're called to go into the world. We're just called to not be of it. So it's complete surrender. It's complete surrender. We're his ambassadors. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. And for me, this is Paul just gave the whole understanding of the armor of God and putting on the armor in Ephesians 6. And then he says, pray in the spirit at all times. Let the spirit pray for you. Now, if you don't know how to pray in the spirit, led by the spirit, you, you, you're missing more that God has for you because you can only pray to a certain degree in your understanding. I only know so much. I don't necessarily know the depths of what's going in, in you, going on in you and inside the people around me, but God does. That's why I learned to pray in the spirit because I don't know how to pray as I ought to, Romans 8, 27, 28. So I start to pray in the spirit. I said, God, God, I don't know what to say, but Sam right now needs a miracle. So she and I'm saying, God, give me wisdom and understanding as I'm praying. So when I pray in the spirit, I'm asking for understanding because God can bring it to my mind. And then next thing you know, I get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, or I just begin to intercede and stand in the gap in a way I don't know how to. If I try to figure out all your stuff, could you imagine? But when I start to pray for you in the spirit, I start hitting the bullseye in a targeted way. That's why intercession means standing in the gap. 
I'm standing in the gap for you with the Lord. Now I'm praying for you, but I don't always know the way. And the minute I start to say, well, man, this is what I think is going on, and I start to make assumptions, my prayers shift versus praying the will of God for you. This is what needs to happen with your spouse. This is what needs to happen with your children. That's why everybody here should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's biblical, and you should learn to pray in tongues or get the gift of praying in tongues. It's for everybody. God wants everyone to pray in tongues. And I realize for some people that from a doctrinal standpoint, you might want to take me to task. I'd be more than willing to have that conversation with you. I, I teach this. I'll be teaching on it towards the end of the series as we go into Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd. We're gonna, I'll do a teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can understand. But you have to understand the baptism's the cake, the gifts of the Spirit's the icing. Yeah. You first have to be endued and submerged in more of his glory. You have to be marinated by the Spirit. So Paul says, and pray for me. What did he say to pray for? That the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel yeah. for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here's how this works. You trade one set of chains for another set of chains. The one set of chains is real bondage that kills you. The other one, other set of chains is a prisoner of love, not as Dawkins sung it in the 80s. This is a real prisoner of love the truth is, is I'm now in bonds to the will of God because I know it produces life in me. It doesn't kill me. But the, the design of the world is to get you to believe that God's cords and God's ch chains are restrictive in a bad way. And the truth is, is we need them in a good way. Your life is not your own. That's Psalm 2. They say, let us break their cords. And God just laughs because you can't break God's cords and bonds. So we become prisoners in chains to do what? To speak boldly. You know what the word utterance is? It's God's word. That's the word logos. It means that when I speak, what does God say about the matter? What has God said about the situation? Instead of trying to figure it all out in your own strength. So what does God say about that situation? What does God say about that sickness? What does God say about that anxiety? What does God say about that relationship? What does God say about that person you want to date? Yeah. This is lordship. This is the spirit and the voice of God that puts you in chains, not religious bondage where you think, yeah, I got to live a straight jacket lifestyle. That's the lie of the enemy. So Paul says, I'm an ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though, we were, as though God was pleading, I want you to see this, pleading through us, pleading through us. We implore you in Christ, we have to be reconciled to God. So we're ambassadors. What's an ambassador mean? An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as an official representative to another foreign country. It's somebody with delegated authority to officially make decisions on behalf of the nation or the leader it represents. It's a presbyter, an elder that has a rank and office with an ability to manage public affairs and administer justice. 
So God has this process of promoting you to be a complete ambassador and representative of him on earth as it is in heaven. You learn it, you discover it, you become it, you get him all at one time, but now there's this process of obedience and surrender, overcoming and, and, and discovering in maturity who God is. You don't just take a child and put him as an ambassador over a nation, but you do give them power and authority and then you teach them along the way of who you're becoming. And so Paul says, I'm an ambassador. You're an ambassador. You have delegated authority from heaven on high to represent God on earth. And the devil doesn't want you to believe it. He just wants you to be a nice Christian. Just be a nice Christian. You don't have to ruffle feathers. You don't have to preach to that person at the hair salon. You don't have to preach to that person at Stripes. And the truth is you should only do it when you're led by the Holy Spirit. If God gives you the word and the unction, it's God giving you the ability, 1 Peter 4, 11. If anybody speaks, let him speak as God gives the ability and choreographs from heaven. Yeah. So everybody say, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. So we see that God pleads through us. God's pleading through us. This means that not only does God cry out and come alongside of the word plead means it's the word perikaleo. It means that God comes alongside you as an aid and a helper and giving you the ability. That's God pleading through you. So first God does it for you and then he does it through you to be a perikaleo for somebody else. And you're gonna see this because in Luke chapter nine, there's two words for, in a sense, healing. It's cure, which is the word therapy, and then there's healing. Some people need therapy. Some people need an instant, complete healing of the condition. See, the condition leads to the symptom. So when we go to the doctor, we're like, what's the condition? You see the symptom, but what's causing it? And it's the same for us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God can give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge about somebody that says, hey, this is the condition. If I can get you to recognize and realize the condition, I really win with the Holy Spirit because you go, I see the root. I was abused as a child. I was raped. My virginity was stolen. I was lied to. I was cheated on. And I pray that that doesn't happen to my children or your children. But you have to understand that this is a hospital where people can come for healing, comfort, health, and strength, and we're all like the great physician. And when people walk in here, instead of, us think, instead of us thinking, man, what can I get from them? It's what does God want to give to them through me? When it comes to being used by God to heal others, with his authority, Jesus himself gave it to us and then he sent us as his ambassadors into the world to represent him. Luke 9, 1 and 2, then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave. Let's everybody say, he gave. He gave, he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure. Now I want you to see this, these words, power, authority, and cure, diseases. And then verse two, it says, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So the words cure and heal in the Greek are two different words. Now they're synonymous. They go together. So first I want you to see that he sent them. Let's everybody say, he's sending me. He's sending me. The word sent is where we get the word apostle. 
It means he sets you apart in liberty and he sends you out to bring people to liberty. So now that I've been set free, I become an apostle by nature to go and set the captives free like Jesus did, okay? So I want you to see that first, he sends everyone. Let's get you healthy and strong. Let's get you, your eyes on Christ so that you can be sent to do what God is calling you to do. The next word I want you to see is authority. The word authority, he gave them power and authority. The word authority is the word exousia in the Greek, and it means that I have jurisdiction authority. It means I have royal authority as an as a, a ambassador, as a king and a priest in a strange land. The Bible calls us all kings and priests, right. a royal priesthood. Right. It means that you have permission. Let's all say, I have permission. I have permission. When you have authority, you have permission. Yeah. It's jurisdiction. I have permission right now to kick any one of you off this property. You know that, right? Private property. I'm the senior pastor. I'm the president of the board. And at any minute, I could say to the officer, I don't even have to give a reason. Why? Because I have authority. And when you understand the authority that God's given you, those demonic strongholds that try to get in my life, why? Because I keep the door shut. If I open the door, that's right. If I open the door, I give them access so they can trespass on a private property, but I just opened the gate wide open. And I even had my religious sign that says no trespassing. And all the while, I think because of grace, I have the liberty and the freedom to do something that I am not supposed to do. You do not. That's called trespassing. And many of us are living in constant trespassing. Other people's lives, deception, lies, fears, worries. And then we're opening up the door to the enemy. And then we're calling out for healing. Shut the door. Now, I still believe God will heal you. But when God heals you, you have a responsibility. Don't just run back to your old ways like a pig running to the pig trough. So cry out for healing. God's presence, power shows up. Woo, I'm set free. It's party time at the club tonight. Yeah. I call it out because I love you because I'm a father. You have to understand I care about you. I'm only preaching what I have done a hundred times over. You know why I know it so well? Because I did it. And God still in his mercy and grace rescued me. I just made it harder and a little bit of a longer process than it should have been. I say it to you all the time. You can do this one of two ways. The easy way or the hard way. I suggest you take the easy way. Next thing is God gives you power. Power by nature to perform miracles, to live right morally, excellence in your soul, to influence others, to gain resources and power for warfare. So God gives you the ability to fight, the ability to become, the ability to gain, the ability to advance, and the ability to do it with supernatural power. The best way that I can describe it is literally the sheriff or the chief of police or any officer. They got a badge and they got a gun. The badge represents the position and the authority. The gun represents the power, right? It's same with your property. Don't trespass on my property without asking me first, right? And if somebody does trespass, I need the Holy Spirit in that moment. Yeah. 
Some of you are like, you step foot on my pride, I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna light. You know what I wanna say, but I'm not gonna say it. It's like, you already determined. And yet, what if God was doing something and you were the one that determined in advance, no, God, they should have never. And in general, I don't want strangers showing up on my pride. I got little kids, they're outside, I don't know who you are. But if I know who you are and I'm in the spirit in that moment, I need to just stay in the spirit in my, that moment. It's the key. Right? So in this passage, in this passage, God says, I've given you authority over demonic forces to cure diseases, preach the gospel, and heal the sick. Heal means to make whole and eliminate the condition. So when you're healed, there's no more condition. My condition's gone, which means you got to find out what the root is. What's the condition? And many times, I don't know. Let's just pray for you to get healed, right? And God can deal with the condition. But sometimes God gives you the root of the condition. Sometimes God says, it's generational. It was, sometimes it's, it's not a formula. Sometimes how you raise. Sometimes it's the direct things that I chose to do. Sometimes it's the indirect things that happened to me. Just, this is why you need the Holy Spirit, because he can show you why, what is happening right now. Why am I manifesting like this? It's often deeper root, and that's why I want you to know those words, apostle, ambassador, authority, and power. Learn those four words. Write them down. Discover them. If you can learn those four words, it will shift your entire life. Apostle, ambassador, authority, and power. Now, Luke chapter five, Jesus heals a leper. And I talked to you about a leper. And the truth is, is no one would ever touch a leper unless you're Jesus. Or Jesus is in you. And that's why with pandemics and all the things that are going on, what you need is what God says about the matter, not what the CDC says about the matter. And I'm not saying the CDC is always wrong, but it's the same with any doctor. When I go to my doctor, I'm listening to what the Lord's saying. Because if that doctor's not spirit-filled, he might incorrectly diagnose me. Or he might say to me, listen, all hope is lost. And God says, all hope is gain. Do you understand? When the leper came to Jesus, he implored him and fell down on his face and asked Jesus to cleanse him. Now I think about that and there's so many variables to that story. Did, the, did Was the leper full of sin? Was he not? The stigma goes that automatically because somebody has leprosy or Hansen's disease that they are. The truth is, is you don't know that. Only God knows. In fact, the, the man that was born blind, the immediate response of the disciples was, who sinned? This is why you got to be careful with your formulas and get the Holy Spirit to show you. And when the leper came to Jesus, he fell down on his face and he implored, begged Jesus to do what? Cleanse him. Because there's people that can get their healing and go on the same way. But when you get cleansed completely and washed by the blood, it changes your life forever. And the other thing is that when uh, the, the Levitical law required that when somebody was healed from leprosy that they go to the priest and Jesus fulfilled that, told him to fulfill it. But to me, it's a picture of go, go 
and share your story, share your testimony. And, he, and at that time, Jesus said, don't tell anybody because it, w- it wasn't his time. So he had to actually retreat. He w- it wasn't out for notoriety and fame and neither are we, but there's something about telling your testimony. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing here at Rock City Church. Thank you for healing everyone that comes up for prayer. Thank you, God, that this is a place where anyone and everybody can come to you and that you are willing. The question in so many heart, our hearts, God, is are you willing? And I fully believe that you are willing. So God, I thank you for true ambassadors, sons and daughters with delegated authority to heal the sick and to receive the healing that you provide for us. I bless all of you as you go with a greater hunger and thirst in every area of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.